Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. The advent of um, social media and, and all of that, um, people were trying to find ways to better express their emotions. And so, like, they would post something and then put LOL. Are you really laughing out loud, you know, or R-O-F-L, you know, or all these other, and that just didn't seem to do the job. And so um, someone, somewhere along the way, came up with this thing called emojis, and I don't know if that's plural. Is it, is emoji plural and singular? I don't know. Um, but, you know, when they first came out, it's like, okay, pretty simple. I used to just use like a colon and a parenthesis to get a smile there, but somebody came up with, with this picture. It's like, oh, that's much easier. Just click on that. And, you know, that's pretty easy, and, you know, I'm not really into emoji, but, yeah, that'll work. And then they came up with this one. So, what's the difference? I'm not sure which one I saw. And then, and then they added a third one on this. They're like, I don't know. How happy am I? Or, you know, it was just like, it was just so confusing. What's the difference? I don't know what's the right one. And so I just go back to the default one. You know, this was nice and easy. Um, and then, and then they started adding more and more and more. They came up with this one. I think that means I'm on my way to the orthodontist, but I'm not sure. But if that's what that one means, then this next one means I just got my braces off. <clears throat> uh, there, there, there's this one. See, this either means it's time for bed or this conversation is so boring, you're putting me to sleep. I'm not sure which one that means. And then, I love this one. You know what that means? I think I just texted the wrong person. And then this is my favorite. I went to church today. Where were you? Yeah. It's kind of confusing, you know, these emojis. Which ones do you use? For, you know, I'm not really sure how to interpret all of these emoji. Um, and it's confusing. And I think some of it's confusing because our emotions can get confusing sometimes. We're not really sure how we feel or, or how to put those things into words. And, and back in Jesus' day, there was a philosophy called Stoicism. It actually began a little bit before his birth um, with the Greeks. And, and it's carried through to this day. And the idea behind it was with Stoicism is that your emotions often result in errors in judgment and lead to destructive behavior. And so the answer to that is, is to avoid all excess emotion, that reason and logic should rule the day, and that's how to live your life. The problem with that is, is that our emotions are an essential part of who we are. We are, and, and when our emotions are healthy, when we are emotionally healthy, life is fuller, it's deeper, it's richer. But if our emotions are unhealthy, it can be really difficult even unbearable. This series we're going through called Vital Signs, we're looking at all of these different aspects of our lives and and how do you assess your health? How do you assess your spiritual health? How do you assess your relational health? Today we're going to talk about emotional health. And each week I have given you um, a list of questions, like three or four questions to ask yourself, kind of as a diagnostic, a self-diagnostic. Today we're going to be looking at um, emotions. And the passage we're going to look at is in Philippians chapter 4. Where actually Paul talks a lot about emotions, a lot of emotions in this whole passage. In Philippians 4, chapter 4, verse 4, <coughs> excuse me, this is what Paul wrote to the Philippian church. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. A lot of emotion there. A lot of teaching about emotion. And I think there's three questions that I can give you today that will help you assess your emotional health. And not just assess, but maybe give you some things that will help you get healed in all of those areas. Because sometimes our emotions are driven by our circumstances and our situation right now. Sometimes our emotions are much more deep-seated and go all the way back to something earlier in life where we were damaged or hurt. Um, But whatever it is, there's an answer for it. So today we're going to to, um, emotional health, and I'm going to give you a couple of questions. And on that paper, I hope you're doing this each week, is assess yourself on a scale of 1 to 10. How do I rate in each of these? Because you might find that there's some things that need attention in your life. So here's the first question. Do I control my emotions, or do my emotions control me? That's an important question. Because sometimes you say things like, you know, I just lost it. (laughs) Well, okay, that's your emotions controlling you. You lost control. That's what you're saying. So, so what does that look like? Now, here's the thing you need to understand. Our emotions serve a purpose. Primarily, the purpose our emotion is to pay attention. When you react emotionally to something, whether positively or negatively, your emotions are saying, this is important. Pay attention. Jesus experienced emotion. You read through the Gospels over and over again. All the different emotions. We talked about one of them last week. He looked at people and he had compassion on them. He felt something for them. Um, there were times when he got angry. He got angry. He got angry at the money changers in the temple. He got angry sometimes at the, at the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He, he got exasperated with his disciples because they just didn't seem to be getting it. And he even wept and cried and felt sadness. That shortest verse in the Bible. Anybody know what it is? It's two words. Jesus wept. Okay, some of you went to Sunday school. Um, yeah, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. It's, it's Jesus at the tomb of his friend Lazarus who had died. And he was moved by it. He wept. In fact, you read in the Garden of Gethsemane how his soul was in anguish. That, that, that Jesus experienced emotions. So emotions aren't good or bad. Emotions just are. And they serve a purpose. For years, um, as I've been doing premarital counseling with couples, and we talk about communication... In the communication part, we talk about our emotions when it comes to communication, particularly when it comes to conflict. And what I tell couples, um, and I've said this for years, is think of your emotions as the dashboard on your car. They are telling you what's going on under the hood. If the temperature gauge on your dashboard is up into the red, tapping on the temperature gauge is not going to fix the problem. You need to pull over and figure out what's going on under the hood. If the oil pressure gauge drops to the bottom, you got to stop and figure out what's, go- what's causing this. Your emotions are like the gauges. They're telling you something's going on, something deeper than what you think right now. And when you react emotionally, whether it's positively or negatively, if you're angry, if you're fearful, if you're happy, when are you happy? When all your needs are being met. You're angry when they get violated. You worry when they're in doubt. See, our emotions are like the dashboard of your car. Now, 
I thought this was really, really great insight, and I've used it for years. And then Pixar came along and stole my idea. And they did a whole movie called Inside Out. But I want you to watch this and get an idea of what we're talking about. I found a junior hockey league right here in San Francisco. And get this, tryouts are tomorrow after school. What luck, right? Hockey. Uh-oh. What do we do? Guys, uh, th- th- this, uh, here, you, you pretend to be joy. Wouldn't it be great to be back out on the ice? Oh, yeah. That sounds fantastic. What was that? That wasn't anything like joy. Uh, because I'm not joy? Yeah, no kidding. Did you guys pick up on that? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, Something's wrong. Should we ask her? Let's probe, but keep it subtle so she doesn't notice. So, how was the first day of school? She's probing us. I'm done. You pretend to be Joy. What? Okay. Um, hmm. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like Joy. Something is definitely going on. She's never acted like this before. What should we do? We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Ahem. Uh-oh, she's looking at us. Uh, what did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? He's making that stupid face again. I could strangle him right now. Signal him again. Ah, so, Riley, how was school? Oh, are you kidding me? For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot? Boo, I'll be George. School was great, all right? Riley, is everything okay? <sighs> Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. What is her deal? All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude. Okay? No, 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 no. Stay happy! What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2. <laughs> Listen, young lady, I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pops? Come and get it! Yeah, well, well... Here it comes. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. Now. Foot is down. The foot is down. Good job, gentlemen. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. When we are emotionally healthy, we have control of our emotions. When our emotions take over our, our, our being, then, then that's unhealthy. And the thing is, you and I have control. It really is a decision. Paul wrote this way. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. He said, in other words, he's saying, you have a choice here. Now, I want you to know, he is not writing this like some naive, simplistic, cheer up, it'll all be better. He writes to this church while he is in jail. He is in Caesar's prison. The outcome of his life is in danger right now. He's not even sure if he's going to get get out alive. More than likely, he's going to face death. 
And he's writing to a church in Philippi that, that is going through all kinds of internal turmoil. They're dealing with some, some theological issues. There's some tension in the church. There's an argument going on between two of the church leaders. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And yet in the middle of all that, he says, listen, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say, rejoice. In case you didn't get it, you have a choice here. This is up to you. Your emotions are meant to enhance your life. They're meant to, to warn you. They're meant to protect you. When, when you experience the emotion of fear, your brain signals all these glands to, to shoot some uh, hormones through you, adrenaline and cortisol. And the purpose of that is, is that the fear that brings on that fear, the, that, that shot of adrenaline, that cortisol, that is to prepare you to deal with whatever the threat is. And it's either fight or flight. Okay, and, and, and it, either the adrenaline is, okay, stand up and take this on or whatever it is, whatever the threat is, and, and face it, or have enough energy to run away and get to safety. That's how your, God designed your body. What happens is, if they get out of control, then, then everything starts just going all over the place. And you are the one that has the choice. You are the one who has control. It's your responsibility. Ephesians 4, put it this way, in your anger, yeah, you could be angry, but in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. In other words, yes, you're going to feel emotion. But don't let that emotion run away with you. Control it. And whatever you do, don't let it keep going on. Because you know what will happen? He goes on and he says this. Because if you don't, it's going to get worse. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. That's what happens when you don't get control of your anger. It just festers and gets worse. The good news is in all this, you're not left to figure it out on your own. When Paul said rejoice, look at what he says. He says rejoice in the Lord. That you have a source greater than your own to deal with your emotions. Rejoice in the Lord always. He goes on, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That God has given you a resource. And whatever your emotion might be, whether it's anger, fear, sadness, anxiety, uh, guilt, shame, whatever it might be, you can bring those things to God. You're not left to deal with these things on your own. So on your paper, on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rank yourself when it comes to controlling your emotions? Do you control your emotions or do they control you? Second question. Do I stew in my emotions or can I release them to God? What do I stew in my emotions? I think there's one emotion particularly, and I think this one Paul addresses, is this worry. Worry is one of those things that we just stew over. We just revisit it over and over and over and over again, and it starts to debilitate us. It takes over, and we just keep stewing it. Worry is really a form of fear. And remember what we said about fear. When, when, when you experience fear, your body releases adrenaline and cortisol so that you can face the threat, whatever it might be. When you worry, what you end up doing is literally you stew in your own juices. Because <laughs> all of those emotions are going, all, that, all of those hormones are going through your body, but you're not doing anything productive to deal with it. And so what happens is you just stew over it. And it begins to wear away at you. Dr. Edward Hollowell um, wrote a book about worry, and he calls it the infinite web of what ifs. What if, what if, and what we do is we imagine the worst, 
that could possibly happen. And we're so convinced that that's what's going to happen. And so we just stew over it over and over and over again. When God has given us a resource for all of that. Paul goes on. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, God has given us this incredible resource called prayer. And in prayer, what I'm doing is I am letting go of my fear. I am letting go of my anger, my anxiety, my guilt, my shame, whatever it might be. He says, in anything, in anything, bring it to God. Don't carry it by yourself. Let it go. And not just, oh, let it go. Give it over to the God who cares about you. In fact, 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. Give it over to him because he cares about you. We're given this incredible freedom to not carry. He says you can ask about anything. You can bring anything to him. And don't pretend everything's okay if it's not okay. Be fine with sharing your heart. Express what's really going on. You read the book of Job, all the things that Job went through. And, and, and he held nothing back in his, in his prayers, in his conversations with God. He would say some things. If I was there, I would take like five steps away because he's going to get hit by a lightning bolt, I am sure. But he is being honest about what's really going on. And prayer is meant to be that. God can handle it, even your anger. But don't just vent. Then stay there and wait on him. See, that's the Thanksgiving part. Thanksgiving part is saying, okay, God, I realize you are in control and I am letting go. You are in control. I am letting go. Thank you. Thank you that I don't have to carry this on my own. Philip Yancey says this about prayer. In prayer, I go to God with my concerns as a child goes to a loving father. I admit my dependence. I make known my requests, fully aware that God and not I will make the final decision. I'm just letting it go. In his book, Hollowell says, they have found, research has found over and over and over again that people who have an active, vibrant faith, who have a regular prayer life, have a better way of dealing with worry and other emotional issues because you're not carrying them by yourself. And when you do that, what he gives in return is peace. Paul goes on. When you do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, is beyond explanation. Something you, 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 don't, you, you won't even be able to figure out, how do I feel so peaceful about this when it's so horrible? It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be honest about what's going on. Vent all the emotion you need to on him, but then let it go. He says, then his peace, beyond your comprehension, he will guard, he will stand guard over your soul, over your mind, over your heart. The peace of God is the settled conviction that my life is in God's hands and all will be well. However it turns out, my life is still in God's hands and all will be well. See, that's, that's what Job said. In the midst of all of his ranting, in the midst of all of his struggles, in the midst of all that was going on, there are these surges of hope where he says things like, I know that my Redeemer lives. I don't understand everything that's going on. I don't know why God don't seem to be getting much of an answer from God, but I know he lives. 
In fact, there's, there's a verse in, in, in Job where he actually says, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. It is that confident assurance. My life is in his hands and all will be well. So on a scale of one to 10, when it comes to that question, do you stew in your emotions or are you able to release them to God in prayer? Where do you rate yourself? Third question. And this may be the most important of all of them because I think this dictates most of all the others. Do I feed my mind with positive or negative thoughts? Because our, our emotions are really greatly influenced by our state of mind, by, by our way of thinking. If I want my emotions to be healthy, if I want to be emotionally healthy, then I have to focus on what is it that I'm feeding my mind? What is it that I'm dwelling on? Because you are shaped by what you, you, you are shaped by your thoughts, and they will shape how you feel about it. What you dwell on becomes a part of you. And in the same way that if you eat a steady diet of junk food, your body's going to be junked up. If you feed your brain a steady diet of negative, destructive thoughts, it's going it's to affect your way of thinking, and that will affect your emotion. So he says, feed your mind with life-giving thoughts. Look at what he says. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, feed your mind with the things that are true and noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Feed your mind with good stuff. Because whatever you are feeding your mind with becomes a part of you. Now, implied in that, this word, think about, is not just, oh, yeah, have a little bit of thought about it. No, it's, it's ruminate, meditate, think it over, pour it into your brain, let it become a part of you. That implies that you take enough time to do such things. I think one of the greatest um, impact on, on our emotional life is the pace of our life. We just don't take enough time to slow down and think. And we get so harried, so overwhelmed. He says, no, no, feed your mind things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and praiseworthy and excellent. Pour that stuff into your mind. Let it wash over you. What is, the, what is your stream of consciousness? What, what are the thoughts that go through your mind throughout the day? I got to be totally honest with you. Go back and look at your Facebook posts. We put so much on Facebook that is our expression of our emotions and our thoughts. And just go back and look at the last couple of weeks of your, your Facebook posts. Today. What is my state of mind? Sometimes I, 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 I read what people put on there and, and I think, oh, how sad. Constant negativity, constant worry, constant whatever. We are meant to be the salt and the light of this world. We are the ones who have hope. We are the ones who have reason to rejoice. And we are meant to not just continue to spread the negativity and the anger and the hatred and the worry and all that stuff. We are meant to bring life to this world. So just watch what you put on Facebook, watch what you tweet. I, I'm, I really am serious. 
because it really does reveal our state of mind. The best, best source we have of good, pure, right, true thinking is Scripture. It really is. It's not, he says whatever, but, but, but Scripture is a great source of all of that. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust on you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I've made no secret about it. I have struggled for about the last 15 years with clinical depression. And there are times when everything's fine and doesn't bother me at all. It's just kind of like this black cloud that hangs over here somewhere. Sometimes the cloud moves overhead. And it just drives me down. And in my deepest, darkest moments, it's gotten much, much better, by the way, but in my deepest, darkest moments, the thing, when I, when I laid in bed and I could not sleep and felt so overwhelmed, the passage that just came to my mind, I had memorized as a kid, 23rd Psalm. And as I lay in bed in the dark of night, feeling overwhelmed, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you. You are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I would just let it wash over me. Let go of all that other stuff and just rest. Scripture is a great, great resource that we have. And I don't want to come across with some simplistic, well, just read your Bible and pray. (laughs) But just know how life-giving it is and make use of it. So, on a scale of one to ten, what do you feed your mind? Positive or negative thoughts? They will affect your emotional well-being. Now let me say one more thing. As someone who has suffered from clinical depression and continues to battle with it from time to time, I do believe there are times when we need professional help. And and hear me on this, because sometimes I think Christians take such a simplistic view and just say, well, if you just pray more and read your Bible more, everything would be okay. No, it won't necessarily. Because your brain functions with electrical chemical impulse. And if the brain chemistry is off, there are some things that can be done for that. And I believe that God has provided us those resources as well. 
And there was nothing unspiritual about finding significant clinical help. So if you suffer ongoing, ongoing suffering, find the help you need. How do you know? Frequency. How often do your emotions hijack you? How often do they take control? You know, the, how often do you get down and, 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 or get angry or lose your temper or whatever it might be? But how often do those emotions hijack you? Because if it happens fairly regularly, you might need some help. The duration, how long does it stick with you? Do you stew in it or are you able to let it go? And then the last one is the intensity. How deep does it affect you? Because if it does affect you deeply and and it carries on for a long time and it happens frequently, I really encourage you to find the help that's available to you. But ultimately, ultimately, turn your heart, turn your thoughts, turn your mind, turn your soul to God. You are not meant to deal with life on your own. You are not meant to deal with your emotional state on your own. There is help, and God is there for you. Paul ends this whole section with these words. So whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Would you bow your heads with me? So are you consumed with worry? Are you filled with anger? Are you carrying bitterness? Are you weighed down by guilt, shame? Your emotions have greater control over your life than you would like. There is hope. There is help. And it starts with learning to let go and put it in the hands of the God who cares for you. And maybe you're here today and you are really struggling. It might be with guilt and shame. It might be with anger. It might be with worry and anxiety. But if you're at a point where it feels like your emotions have more control over you than you have control over them, I want the chance to pray with you today. That as we close, if there's a way that I can encourage you and pray with you and pray for you, would you let me know? We do this every week, but if you would let me know by just raising your hand, and as you do, look up and catch my eye too, because I want you to know I see you. Yeah, 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 yes, yes. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the God of peace or the peace of God. And maybe it starts right there. Today, it's a first step of faith to just say, God, I am tired of dealing with life on my own. I cannot do it. I have enough failure to show for it. I have enough struggles to show for it. I really need your grace. So I'm coming to you with my fears, my anxiety, my anger, my sin, my faults, my failures, all of it. And I'm just bringing it to you. I'm going to put my faith in you. I ask that you would forgive me. You'd teach me to take this new life of faith in you. And if you've never done that before, but today, that's where it starts for you as a first step of faith in him. Same thing. Would you just 
Raise your hand, and as you do, look up, catch my eye, because I want to lead you in a prayer, too, as we close. Would you just join me in the prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, for your courage, for your strength, for your forgiveness. We are weak and feeble, flawed and struggle. Thank you, Lord, that you came and gave your life for us. You came and experienced all of this on human terms and then gave your life on a cross so that we could be forgiven and healed and restored. And so today, all of us who are raising our hands, either as a first-time step of faith or just as a renewal and a letting go of, uh, 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 and turning over to you something that we did a long time ago, we just simply say, here we are with our faults, failures, struggles, weaknesses, sin, whatever it might be, putting it in your hand. We're asking for your grace, your forgiveness, your strength, your healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You may